Hello everyone, welcome to a new episode of Dubai Stars. Today I have a star from the industry, the top three agent won awards 2016, 17, 18, 19, and definitely he's gonna get that's for sure. I'm here with Mr. Fintan. Mr. Fintan is the superstar of the exclusive link, Thank one you. of the most nicest and humble people you can ever meet in your life. Enjoy this episode. Fintan, thank you so much for coming. Thank you very much for asking me and sir, a uh, fantastic introduction there. <laughs> uh, hope I live up to it now. <laughs> That's the least we can say about you. And now all of the audience, whether they are listening to this or watching it on YouTube, they will find out why I have this introduction for you. So Fintan, first of all, congratulations on your success. But before we get into all of the stage where you are in your life, I want to go way back to Fintan's childhood. How was the childhood? Where did you come from? Tell us about all of this stuff. Well, I'm going back a long time, so I'm going to have to... I'm 49 now, so my childhood wasn't today or yesterday, but it was... I was very fortunate. Uh, fantastic parents. They showed us from a, uh, a young age that if you work hard, you, things will come your way in life. So, blessed to have a great education, go to a good school. Uh, my dad was an accountant. And over time, they developed various businesses. So the work ethic was always there. So the family. Yeah. Um, I suppose, what did I think I was going to become when I was a kid? Um, Dad was an accountant. So when I was growing up, I didn't plan to be a fireman, a superhero, or an astronaut. I was going to be an accountant. So that was the superhero. Well, there you have it there. Yeah. He he was my, my father figure. And I think a lot of people want to you know, follow their father's footsteps and they want to be, make their parents proud of them. So all my life along the way, I was going to become an accountant. I, even when it came to filling in a college form, I didn't fill in a college form because I was going to work in my dad's accountancy firm. Yeah. That was my plan. I wanted to play rugby as well. And that was the two things, rugby and accountant. So you were good with managing money while you were still young, you know, you always... Well, at the time... I always thought as somebody who was very logical, uh, figured things out, made decisions based on that. But as life has gone by, I realized that I was I'm not always analytical. And naturally, I'm more because instinct. Yeah. You know, you've got your gut, your heart, your head. And it took me a long time to figure that out because I got this into my head. I'd analyze things, procrastinate. <sighs> That's not who I am. The, the truth of it is, I do that a lot of times because I never want to make a mistake. But I guess life's not about being safe. You're going to make mistakes and you're going to learn. And it took me a long time to figure that out. So you had this fear of disappointing your parents? Yeah, I, do, I don't know. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I, I would hate to think that I've ever disappointed them. I'm sure I have. Um, but you always want to be... Do you know something... My parents are good people, um, and I think the values that they have instilled in me is to be fair. And the name Finton comes from an Irish word called Fionn, and there's various meanings of Fionn, but one meaning of Fionn is fair. And when I looked this up at one stage, it was being fair in your dealings with other people. Yeah. And my dad's name is Finton, and I saw over the years that he was... In his accountancy practice, he was a problem solver. He wanted to find solutions for people. And if it meant him um, 
working late, not seeing him. Uh, he always had his client's best interests at heart. And even though it was a different field to what I work in, um, the end goal was the same. So they're the values that were instilled in me. And yeah, I suppose it's living up to that. That's, you know, that's who you are. And your family network at that stage was a just good people, 100% good people. You know, you hear people speak about your grandparents and how good they were and their teachers and uh, from the farming background, agriculture. And they're always just wholesome, good people. I can say that in front of me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, Finn, tell us, like, uh, how did you meet your wife? How did you fall in love? Let's go back to this memory. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, so, two things that, well, big thing always in my life, rugby. I've always been a rugby uh, fan. Fan or player? Well, this nose. <laughs> <laughs> the guys down in Jamera would love to get a hold of this nose. Yeah. See this nose? It's been broken a number of times. There's been a few operations. And... I remember after the last time, because it was this septum was deviated badly, and I got it fixed. And in the first match I played in, a guy came in in his head straight in, and it was gone. And after that moment, I was like, oh, I'll be a fan. This is who I am. This, this is my nose. This is who I am. Um, I think, actually, one of the last games I played, I started trying to coach some of the younger guys in one of the teams in the club. And one day, the team wasn't going so well. So I, I, I substituted myself on. Okay. And we, myself and my wife had opened up our, our business in real estate in, in, in Ireland at this stage. And it was one of the last games I played in. And I went in anyway. And their centre was all day long. He'd been running through. And I said, okay, first time out, I'm going to nail them. I don't care what happens. And I did. I, I nailed him. Really good tackle. He stopped running through for the rest of the game. But later on, I felt like a little bit of trickle of blood down, down here, and you're kind of brushing it off, whatever. And one of the guys was going, he said, are you okay? And I said, yeah, I'm, I'm fine. And my ears are big enough anyway, okay? <laughs> but the, the top of the ear was kind of loose. Yeah, it's yeah. split down the side. So I went home to my wife, and she just looked at me, and she goes, oh, my God. Again. Again. What's, what's <laughs> going on with you? So I went home and got stitched. But I think that was one of the last games, because... We work in an industry where you're meeting clients. And when you're meeting a client to do a viewing on a property and you've got your nose busted up here and your ear stitched here, they're thinking, what kind of hooligan is this guy? Is he out of the fighting at the weekend? Is he part of Fight Club? <laughs> so, um, yeah, but through rugby, I played all my life all uh, at school, some club rugby, um, and... It was actually rugby brought me to meet my wife because after the matches at the weekends, she'd, she'd go to the, with her girlfriends, some of her girlfriends, boyfriends played rugby, and we met there. So I may not have had any honours or big success in a provincial jersey, but I got the biggest reward ever I really played my wife. How old were you? 29 when I met her. 29? Yeah. Yeah, twenty twenty nine. Yeah, we had my thirteenth birthday. That and year. when you like, once you guys met, you knew she was the one. I knew she, I knew she was the one. <laughs> she didn't, she wasn't so sure about me. <laughs> In fairness, um, oh, it's 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 funny. You know, at that time, I, I could have been done for stalking. Yeah, <laughs> but it was like messaging. 
but it was more she, she's gorgeous um, to start with but her heart is just the biggest heart I could ever see in anyone uh, all these years later as a mum to her daughter Fenn she is creative she's giving she is selfless um, but what I really loved about her was she would light up a crowd she'd walk in and have her friends and my uncle has a saying show me your friends and I'll tell you who you are okay and the way she was with people and she was very professional in her career but she got she just has this she's like a magnet and uh, I went out one night and I saw her walking into Hayden's bar in Nice and that was it and that was it very spontaneous as in from my point of view Again, I'm always somebody that's thinking logic, blah, blah, blah. Um, and I was like, oh, no, gut, gut feeling override. The best decision my gut ever made <laughs> was to go for it. And, uh, yeah, we had, we had some funny stories along the way, but I mean, that, that's the big, my greatest rugby success, sporting success was meeting her. Great. So you guys met, uh, got married. Yeah. You have a beautiful daughter. Yeah, how you. how did you uh, like after school after uni? What did you guys do? How did you start making money back in Ireland? Well, my wife was working uh, in corporate travel, so she'd be. Uh, I mean, her attention to detail. She'd be going into large pharmaceutical company, insurance companies, banks, and she'd be trying to present to the CEO, CFOs, of uh, saying, "I can look after your corporate account." Okay. So she's getting, she's having to present herself as being the right person to look after their interests, like multi-million euro accounts. Um, and she was phenomenal with that. And she built up that business for the company she was in. She built it up from zero to being a very substantial division of the business. Um, for me, I came out of, from college, uh, I was doing accounting and finance degree. I was planning to do CPA, uh, certified public accountant, because I had plans to move to America, and I thought that was the right avenue for me to go. And uh, things happened along the way, and I got involved with the family business that I never really pursued the accountancy. So the family business we had an equestrian centre in Ireland, and I suppose there's key key moments in your life. You've got your degree in '94, and I was doing my accountancy exams in '95, and planning to go to America and in June 95 uh, a bombshell was dropped on a family where my mum was diagnosed with breast cancer. Um, two weeks beforehand I had actually made my decision not to go to America. My mum knew something was, wasn't right but she would never tell me so it would influence my decision of what to do or where to go to. So I suppose for the next 16 months I was very much involved in the family business, the equestrian centre. And during that time, while mum was having treatment, I was uh, very fortunate to be working alongside her. So I could bring my sister to school in the morning, bring my mum to hospital, spend time with her, collect my sister from school. And the most special time of my life was the hardest time of my life because it was spending time with mum. Simple as. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it's it's actually Breast Cancer Awareness Month this month. Hence the, so we can see the pin. On the lapel. And uh, month's anniversary is on the 17th of October. 
So this one to me is very special. Very special also. So that was a very special period. Unfortunately, uh, mom passed away in '96. Uh, so Thanks, Anthony. Um, then I suppose from following on from that, you were involved with the family business, and I had an older brother, um, he's a show jumping coach, and uh, a sister, and my sister was in her last year at school, so. My role within the family business and within the family became, I suppose, you did what you had to do yeah. to keep the show on the road. Okay. You got involved and you did things that like you were the rock that everyone can lean on. Yeah, I guess. And, and maybe that was my way of dealing with it. And maybe yeah. it was a case of, you know, that was the right thing to do and, you know, maybe distract yourself without actually ever having to, um, delve in. I'm, I'm very good at deflecting. My wife will tell me that, okay? <laughs> she asks <laughs> ask a tough question, I'll deflect. Yeah. And now, funny at home, my daughter is very good at that. You ask her a question, I go, I know that trick. That's what I do. Yeah. Like, oh, don't do it, don't do it. Uh, I mastered that at economics class. Mm. Mr. McGrady would ask a question about homework. And I would ask him something about, see that on the blackboard? Can you explain that to me? Yeah. Again? And I hope by the time he comes back, he goes on to the next kid. Um, so anyway, I got involved in the family business. And, you know, at the age of 25, I'm attending parent-teacher meetings because that was never dad's thing. Mm. And maybe it was too much for him to face at that time. I don't know. But I took on that role. So at 25, people saw me at parent-teacher meetings going, God, he started young. <laughs> <laughs> um, is he a mature student or is he, is he, is he, is he a student or is he a parent? Um, so anyway, that period of time, we got involved with the family business. Um, you might have known last year the Special Olympic World Games came to Abu Dhabi first time in the Middle East yeah. last, last year in 2003 the World Games came to Ireland that was the first time they were ever held outside America and in preparation for that we were approached for our, our equestrian centre would we be put our centre forward as a venue for the Games and uh, we did now, at that time, we would have multiple groups of riding for disabled and special needs or people with determination, of determination, yeah. that would come riding at the, the venue every week. We'd give the venue, the ponies, the staff to do some good for the community. Uh, so that's why we were selected. So during this period of time, the, we, we were selected. Ireland were awarded the Games. And I went to North Carolina in 1999 to see the the, the games, how they operated. And at that stage, we had the equestrian center that we were planning to modify. And I came back instead of, and said, instead of cutting the hand to fit the glove, we have land. Why don't we build the glove to fit the hand? Yeah. And then part of that was the redevelopment of the old equestrian center that was 50 townhouses. And we got land rezoned. And that financed the, the equestrian center. So during that period of time, it was an interesting period of time because you saw how developers worked. Um, my dad is the first person to come up with a new zoning uh, category in Ireland and it was called Equestrian. And when he went to the town planners, they were like scratching their head going, what do you mean? He said, because we couldn't just build townhouses on agricultural land. He said, it's Equestrian. It needs to be zoned Equestrian. So he copy-pasted to a large extent what the golf courses did. So all the golf courses had golf uh, 
townhouses and uh, mansions built around the golf course. And he said, well, all of those houses there is a golf zoning. Let's build houses here on equestrian zoning, and the owners of these houses will have a membership to the equestrian centre to if they want to keep their horse. Yeah. In reality, a tiny percentage of people who bought there knew the front end of a horse to the backside of a horse, <laughs> because but the development was very unique. So again, we went through that process and went through for a number of years. And on the first weekend of the launch, the guys in the nice suits and the site layout came in and they were putting sticker after sticker after sticker and they pretty much sold out the first phase. And that was probably the penny was kind of like, oh, so by this stage now I've met my wife in between. We were planning to get married and we got married at the end of 2003 and I was determined that up to that point in time, that was my family business, yeah. was my brother, sister, parents. Once I got married, I wanted to do something for my family, which was my wife and our, our future family. And that probably was the appetite. Uh, so that's where you, like, you were like, you're admiring the estate, but you haven't really fallen in love with it. You're just no. like, this is something interesting, let me get into it. Yeah. 100%. And at that, at that stage, um, we had no experience in real estate. Okay. My wife, aside from working there, she had done some viewing and she opened houses for, uh, people at weekends. So she knew about meeting people. She knew about showing houses. But we had in, in total zero experience. So we came up with the great idea that we'd open up our own agency. And let us know ourselves. Let's see. Let's see how this goes. <laughs> yeah. Now, in fairness, we did have somebody that was coming in as a silent partner, and that was all very well and good. He had uh, a number of offices that he said, I'll lend you support, blah, blah, blah. Um, signed the lease. We signed the franchise at the time with Remax. And a couple of months into it, he said, uh, I can't go ahead with it. And we're like, okay. So we're, we're swimming in the deep, in deep water. You've just taken off the armbands. Yeah. And what do we do? We have, we have an office. We've got the, the Jeep. We've got the sign writing on the, 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 the vehicles. We've got everything lined up to go with this. And now you're saying you're not taking part and you want your money back by the end of the week. So, Thank enough. you for the notice. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, arrange that. And in hindsight, it was probably the best thing ever. Of course. You know, um, so you're going to have plans, the best of plans in the world. You're going to have setbacks, but this is life. It's how you react to that. So, um, October, 2005, we turned the key in the door and we're open for business. And it takes us time to get up and running, but we work in the service industry. Okay. Real estate, real estate is the product. It's relationships and the attention to detail that my wife had with people and we built up to have a team of agents in the office and she just smashed it. Consistently a top 10 producer in terms of commissions and transactions in Ireland out of 380 plus brokers. Yeah. Okay. We were in a town that had a population of 5,000. We were competing against places that had bigger offices that had 
you know, population of 25, 50, 100,000. And way more experience from you guys, just yeah. started. So when we opened up, we opened up our office opposite the market leader because the thinking was everyone that walks through that door has to walk out. And when they walk out, they're going to go, oh, there's somebody else. So it's about, it's not, this industry has not been about a wallflower, being quiet in the background. It's about putting yourself out there. Um, great learnings at that time with Remax, American system was very much personal branding. Mm-hmm. The brand Remax sits behind the agent and the agents are out to the front. So although my wife would be very humble and quiet, she gets on and does her business. She doesn't need to shout from the rooftops. Uh, we started your, our signboards. Her name is Veronica, Veroni. And we start the, the photo on the business card, the American way. And while traditionally in Ireland, that people would look at that and, and you know, like this, uh, typically dark suits and a male orientated, yeah. it was bringing something different to the table and differentiating yourself. And once you got that call and once you got face to face, now people are believing in you. Can you tr- can I trust this guy? Is this the guy the right one for me? And over the years, um, sitting beside my wife, if you're sitting beside her for 10 years and you don't pick up and you don't learn and you don't observe, you're stupid. Simple as. So a lot of anything that I have is probably because I sat beside her and I heard how she spoke to clients and I heard her follow up or follow back or follow through. And, um, I know I was saying to you earlier, our office reception resembled a crossover between a florist and a stationery store because there were so many flowers being dropped in, so many thank you cards. Thank you, yeah. And eventually one of the big developers in the town came in someday and he said, I have to see what you guys are doing because their signboards are going up everywhere. We went from 0% to 48% market share in the space of 18 months. And again, that is largely due to my wife, not me. So um, we had a couple of good years. We worked very hard. And Ireland during that period of time was, you didn't have to sell the property. All you had to do was show up. The banks came in and Bank of Scotland came into Ireland and gave 100% mortgages. So now people didn't even have to save to buy a house. There. So what was going to do? The house prices were going to shoot up. So... You know, from our, our marketing of properties, taking the photographs, presenting everything ourselves, we were very much hands-on. We didn't give it to an admin person. Yeah. So that was our learning during that period of time. Um, and I suppose that, that stands us in good stead now. That's has made us who we are. And maybe we were naive starting off. Maybe the best thing to have done was work in a company first before deciding to open up. And... I suppose there were big learnings after 2008 when the market crashed and the banks in Ireland had no money to lend. I mean, there was no lending happening. There was people in negative equity. There was no building. So when we come over here and we look at Dubai and people are saying, oh, the market's tough. I'm like, this is tough. Go to Ireland where the, the, the prices have fallen and they're falling at such a rate purely because people don't have money to buy. The aspiration to own their own home is still there. The willingness to buy property is there, but the financials aren't there. Ireland won't be strong in cash buyers like like here. Yeah. So um, obviously, after a couple of very good years starting off, then we 
the sales fell. So all of a sudden you went from a sales to a, a rental and managing properties for people. And there was a lot of learnings in there too. Learning with people who were struggling. The banks were on their case. They, they financially were really in a bad place. And you found yourself going over and above the, 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 what was expected to do. Yeah. If I was to tell you some of the things that I did over those years, you would be shocked for clients. You know, clients didn't have money for, to get a washing machine for a tenant. I would go out, collect the washing machine, drop it there, have somebody fit it, pay for the washing machine to keep their tenant happy. And it could be six months later, they would pay me. Yeah. Now that's not a very good business. Okay. But sometimes it's not always about money. Sure, it is it's a putting, very good business. It's putting the people first. Yeah. Okay. Keep that tenant happy. Keep the money coming in so that the bank isn't on the client's case. The person, I believe the person is a good person and I believe that person will pay me somewhere along the way. So. And he will never forget about you. You yeah. see, like, that, that's the person, you know, that yeah. he's treating me like family. And this is how you grow your referral network. 100%. So, that's the experience and the island and the real estate and yeah. everything. Tell me about the move. How did you yeah. move to Dubai? And before that, why did you pick Dubai as the place to be coming? So, I guess um, the first thing was, the forecast for Ireland was, I didn't see things changing. Okay, the market prices had fallen drastically. The developers had the control; they weren't building. And the, the, how the, the market works in Ireland is very different. Developers are uh, bank financed. Banks want to see the marketing plan, and they'll give it to the established agencies, the big agencies, typically. Okay, we weren't going to get that stock when it came available. So we had we said, "Listen, what about making a change? You know, if you don't if you don't change what you're doing, the results are going to stay the same." Now, we were in a situation where we were comfortable and we, we could have stayed there. Um, but then we started exploring different avenues. So first of all, it was Australia. And we actually applied for a visa there. And then I had seen clients that had moved there that didn't come home every year. And I said, no, our daughter was born in 2010. And if we went there, she would never get to know her grandparents. So that was out of the equation. Then we looked at England. And we found a place in Somerset and we had job offers to, to go there. And my brother-in-law came down from London to have a look at the place. And he said, yeah, this is lovely. Are you retiring yet? <laughs> so I'm like, no, I'm not retiring. He said, this will still be here in a couple of years. And he said, remember a couple of years ago you spoke about Dubai? And he said, yeah. He said, I've gone over for the races. You should really love that place. That place is really, you know, there's a lot of activity and real estate, blah, blah, blah. So we came home from Bristol. We were nearly kind of deciding that's where we were moving to, Bristol, Bath area in Somerset. And uh, went online and uh, we had our CVs done up and we put them out there. And all of a sudden, recruitment company, like, oh, wow, Skype interview this, Skype interview that. That week was like, it was, it was a highway of conversations back and forth. And on the Saturday night, we just said, just relax. On the Saturday night, um, sitting by the fire, and it was in February, and I googled um, Dubai real estate, and up popped popped an ad, and it was there was uh, an exhibition in London that weekend. So this was Saturday night, and I said I'm getting the first flight out of Dublin to London Sunday morning. The red eye, 
go to the exhibition, and I walked into the exhibition hall, I think it was Olympia, and I was like, going, whoa, right? All the big developers were there. It was the first exhibition in London uh, since the uh, property crash. Yeah. And I just, it was like, it was like a child going into a sweet shop. Okay. Yes. I was like, oh, wow, this is unbelievable. I'm going there looking at floor plans. I'm looking at different designs. And it just, it really electrified me. Got on the flight that night, went back to my wife and said, yeah, let's really explore this a bit deeper. So uh, what I realized very quickly is getting a job in real estate in Dubai is not a problem. Getting a job with the right people and the right culture that fits you is the challenge. Yeah. And there are so many different cultures and different companies. I'm not saying one is better than the other, but you've got to find the right fit for you. So we had a, a number of companies saying, come over here, here's your start date, here's the offer letter. Not like I'm, I'm still at a business here. I, I've got to do whatever we need to do. So we, we took some time and again, let's go back to that word referral or recommendation. I had a friend that moved over to Dubai in around 96 and uh, I rang her. I said, what's Dubai like for family? And we're thinking about real estate. She, says, she put me in touch with a friend of hers, Louise. Louise owns exclusive links with Sarah. And I spoke to Louise a couple of years previous reconnected and she put me in touch with Zara and I'm a, I'm a guy in Ireland ringing Zara saying I'm thinking about moving to Dubai what's it like she's a very busy lady and she did something that I resonate with she gave her time freely and willingly to enable me to have information to make the right decision we spent about an hour and 20 minutes on that first call a week later, another call, and she ended the call, and we just thought the same way, and we ended the call with, Fintan, you need to come to Dubai for a week, see it for yourself, with your wife, without your door. Best advice I ever got, and to Sarah Evans, I am so grateful for her. Our, we had never spent more than two nights away from Fen, our daughter. Yeah. We were now coming here for a week, a long way from home. I'd never lived outside Ireland in my life, and now I'm coming to Dubai. Anyway, we arrive here, and like you said, touch down and you're driving along Shakeside Road and you're like, wow, this place is like, it's like Disneyland, right? Yeah. And we came to meet Sarah. So on the Saturday, we met Sarah in the sea in Dubai Marina. We had lunch and Zara drove us around Dubai afterwards, uh, the Raven Ranches, through Emmett's Living. I showed us everything. And that evening ended up in Zara's home in the Greens and DIP to meet her children because her children had gone through the uh, school system. Met Gemma and Brad's, two fantastic, they were young teenagers at the time. And that was it. This is where we were going to be. Sarah said, come in the next day, we'll talk a little bit more. And we had five interviews lined up with companies. And she went through the different companies. Don't think that would suit you. I think, yeah, new startup. And she went through the risk of them all knowing that we were family looking to relocate. If they don't work out, I've got a friend opening up a business and you guys will just get on like a house on fire. She organized for our leasing manager. Now there was no talk of us working for exclusive links. Yeah. She arranged for our leasing manager, Laura, to bring us on a tour of different properties in different communities from the Pam to the Springs to Victory Heights. Laura organized school visits 
one of which was Victory Heights, where my daughter goes to school now. Fabulous school. And they did all of this for us, just so we could make a good decision. Mm-hmm. And I can identify with that, because how I do my business today is I will give people the information, the right information, for them to make a decision. If that decision is to buy something, fantastic. If it's not to buy something, well, really, that's fantastic too. Because if I give them the best service, I know I will, they will always refer people back to me. So it's all about the long game. Anyway, out of those conversations with Zara, we're in our office, and I'm saying, well, do you ever take people on? Because you're there, we're here. And Zara was a little bit cautious. She says, I love you guys, and I'd love to have you in here. But normally I take people on with Dubai experience. And you don't have that. And I think maybe as well as that, it wasn't just a single person with a low cost of living. She's looking at a family relocation, okay, school fees, blah, blah, blah. And anyone that took us on, they'd have to have a sense of consciousness and responsibility if they're making the right decision that they can make a success of it. Anyway, um, we talked a little bit more. We said, okay, let's do it. And we were home. We were in ex- starting off with exclusive links. We had to get things tidied up um, to make the move here. But Sarah was always very patient. Yep, in your own time. Um, so we touched down in August 2015. Got ourselves sorted. Uh, lived in Raven Ranches. Daughter started school. I started in October. And my wife was due to work in November. Once we had everything settled. Um, again, the accounting part of me had done our spreadsheet for the year, all our expenses. Uh, remembering now my wife is the real the real, real estate rock star in her family. She was going to be earning more than me. That was fantastic. <laughs> and unfortunately, then November comes my wife's first week at work and she uh, rings me. She says, I'm not feeling very well. And we just thought it was a cold. And what transpired then over the next couple of months was that she picked up a virus, went through horrible treatment, uh, very, very strong steroids, which had their side effects. And as an end result, um, lost, lost hearing in one ear and suffers very bad in tinnitus. Okay. So, in, and I have to say, she's the hero of our story in our family. She's the hero because during all of this time, she's at home suffering with this. We've got a daughter going to school. We're in a new country. And not once when I'm out at half seven in the morning dropping friend to school and some nights I wouldn't be home till 11 or 12 o'clock at night. There was some years there that are sometimes that I'd work 20 days solid. Not once did she ever question because she knew from us having our own real estate company, she knew what's involved. So I was very, very fortunate to have somebody that was fully understanding, fully supported. And the bigger picture, we were doing everything for what my daughter calls a triangle. There's three of us in our family and we're a little triangle. Now the triangle has two little legs now because we've got two dogs. So it's five of us, okay? <laughs> but she's the hero of our story. So any accolade that I may have picked up over the couple of years, it's because of her. It's because I sat beside her and I learned from her. And because when I came over here, she let me get on and do what I do best. And while she was suffering with what she was going through, um, it enabled me to 
get out there and do what I need to do for my family. We wanted to ask you next, like, who inspires you the most, but I think you just answered this question. <laughs> yeah, you know something? Um, my girls. And I'll include in my girls my mum as well. And um, I know I can never fail. Don't ask me. And this is not being cocky or arrogant, because I have a guardian angel looking over me on my shoulder. That's mum's ring. And, you know, I told you a story about something that happened years ago. And I know as long as she's looking over me. How did I meet my wife? You know, very uncharacteristic. She walks in and sees her friend, and I just go for it. That's, that, that's, wasn't characteristic of me. I'm, I was, I was played St. Vincent, you, you know? Yeah. My, my friends would say, he's the homebird. He'll, he'll never leave his town. He'll never do this and never do that. And I guess by meeting my wife and having that support, it is that inspiration. I don't know. I, I, she's magnificent. And I'm delighted now, three and a half years on, she got back into doing real estate. And uh, I want to sit, no, no, I'm not going to sit back, but I want to watch her soar because really it's her time now. Um, and not that there's a silver lining to her getting a virus and losing hearing and what she's gone through, but instead of her working for those years that we got here, that could, would have been very stressful to get up and running as a mother, it has allowed her the time she's worked all her life from the age of even when she was in school. It has allowed her to have a special time with Fen, our daughter. They have such a special connection. They're just beautiful to watch together. And I think um, it allowed us as a family to network with friends. Our circle of friends are pretty much around my wife and my daughter. And if you were to tell me five years ago, when I touched down in Dubai, or before, before you even said it, that we would be in traveling as a family to Azerbaijan, skiing with four families we didn't know, who are now our closest friends, I'd be like, oh, you're smoking something funny. I don't know what it is, but that's never happening. But to be able to go to places like Thailand with Fen and experience that as a family or Zanzibar, and it's not about a high, you know, we're not staying in five-star hotels. We've got a nice quality of life, for sure. Yeah, you're having the experience. But it's the experience together as a family. having it at a very young age, which is beautiful. It will shape her character to be open to all of the culture, to all of the races, to, to you know what I mean? Joe, so you're, you're at a, a stage of life now. And it's a beautiful stage that you're, you know, you've got engaged. You're going to have a family. You're going to start. You will be a different man in five to ten years' time. And you will begin to really, I mean, your heart is going to burst with love. Okay, that you never thought you were capable. Yeah. You probably thought to a point before you met your wife, you you know this is my level. You you, you meet your fiance, boom, you have family. It just it's unbelievable, and you know every moment that um, morning I bring Fen to school, and we say a prayer in the car that my mum said to us when we'd be rushing out to school when we were small, and she'd say a prayer to us to keep us safe for the day, and I say it now with Fen. I say one line of the prayer, she says the next. And that is our moment every day where we start the day. And my parting words to her is, and, and she, I'll tell you in a second, I say to her every morning, I said, I love you. And as she's getting out of the car, be the best you can be. Now, if being the best she can be is this high or this high or there, I don't care. As long as she's the best she can be, 
I'm, I've done a great job. And last week she was doing a video for a uh, house captain or head girl. And uh, in her video, she actually used the line. She said, as head girl or house captain, I can't think. She says, I just want you all to be the best you can be. And to hear her say that back is like, I've done something right with my life. Yeah. And that's, and that's my legacy. Yeah, amazing. Fenton, uh, what made you so special in the world? Like, you got the rewards, you got everything, you know. We need to know what was, except the fact that you like to serve people the way that you like to be served, you know. What made you so special in the real estate market, you know. Like, tell us, let's see that you're talking to a new guy in the industry and you want to give him the best advice. What can you tell you? Okay. At the moment, because I'm, I'm, I'm doing this at the moment myself, um, I've, I've got a lot of repeat. I've been blessed. I've met fantastic people. Uh, I started with uh, a great company that has a great reputation in the market. And what does, what does it say? Surround yourself with good people and good things will happen. That's been my first thing. Sarah and Louise and what they've created is a fantastic setup. Okay. Um, they've allowed me to go out there. And I'm not, I'm not worried about doing a deal today. It's the longer game. And they've given me the, uh, freedom to play that long game. Now, I think part of the problem in Dubai is people that are working real estate, they never, they, they come to Dubai. They love Dubai. They want to stay here. And one of the ways they can get a visa is by working in real estate. It's not, it's not a passion. The service industry, we're in the relationship business. And if you have a passion for doing good by people and giving a good service and you love property, bingo, you're, you're on a winner. But I think for the relationship business, it's about repeat and referral and it's about the longer term business. Okay. And I think the longer that you're in the business, the more successful you will become because now your sphere of influence, the very epicenter of the people that have met you, have worked with you, will repeat business you, will only grow and grow. And you've got to nurture that. I think when I come here, first of all, uh, we'd be on the 31st floor of the API Tower, and I could be in the office, and for the first three months, I was like, oh, whoa, this is like nowhere else. And those questions of self-doubt come in and go, what have I done? And there's times there that you're just getting a breath of fresh air, you're out in the balcony, Shakeside Road is up and down like a uh, busy as ever, and it's 11 o'clock at night, and you're about to head home, and you're going, have I done the right thing? What have we done here, coming here as a family? Because this is not like the real estate industry at home, in Ireland, yeah. or anywhere else. Getting exclusivity on a property is the standard at home. Here, it's not. Um, so, I began to, you've got to learn the rules of the game. You're not going to change the rules of the game here in Dubai. Uh, it's not going to change overnight either. So it took me some time to assess that and revalue that. And the first month, October, what, how much of the business did I do in my first month? Big fat zero. November, 2015, end of the month, big fat zero. December, I'm, I'm heading towards consist consistency. I'm going for my third big fat zero. But I get a, a listing that came in 
Now, the listing was with 16 other brokers. And was my, okay, this ended up being my first deal. Uh, there's a nice full circle to this story. Um, it's in the Villa Project. I've never been in the Villa Project. The owner sent the title deed, the photograph, so everything, everyone has the same photographs and everything, and it's on the portal. It's on a Saturday, and I get a call at a home around midday. Hi, can I see this fella? Yeah, when would you like to see it? Uh, we're in the area at the moment. Is there any chance you can uh, meet us? Um, if you can just give me five minutes, I just need to rearrange another appointment. Give me a call back five minutes. I'm at home with my daughter. Okay, I don't know the Villa Project. And I'm saying, Fen, I have to go out for a few hours. Franny's at home as well. I, I didn't leave my daughter at home. I didn't leave a five-year-old kid, kid at home by herself. So, um, bring the client back. Yep, yeah, I've just rescheduled things. And I'll be with you in about an hour and a half. There's a place you can get a coffee, grab by lunch, and I'll meet you. So, I get changed. Suit, tie, it doesn't matter. It's a rental deal. It doesn't matter. I always show up dressed. I've never not attended a viewing. This thing about people leaving doors open and people not attending, what's the client paying you for? The client is paying you for a service. And if you can't be bothered to show up, well, then you don't deserve to be in our industry. I'm sorry. I feel passionate about that. Anyway, I drive down to the Villa Project. I'm trying to find it. I've never been to the Villa Project. I'm driving around going, oh my God, where do I start here? So anyway, get to the, find the villa. I go through the villa. I'm upstairs in the last room. And as soon as I'm in the last room, ding dong, the couple come in. Hi, David. How are you? Meet the family. They've got a little girl. Still remember his name. Cute, cute as, as hell, this little girl. They were relocating from um, Malaysia. Um, or Anyway, came in. Hi, guys. How are you? How's your day? Just talking. Have you been, have you been to Dubai land? No, we were just relocating. Okay. And as we're going to do the viewing, there's a staircase going upstairs. And I said to the little one, I said, come over here. If my daughter was here, she'd make dens in here. And this would be her Narnia. She'd make a den in here, and I could imagine her here with her book and her toys, reading stories, a little torch. And the, the little child, we went back later in the viewing. Guess, guess where she was? Under the stairs with her yeah. toy. Parents' eyes lit up. They knew they were home at that moment. We walked around the project, told them all the different things. Um, they thought I was an expert. Okay, little did they know that this was going to be my first deal. But I was able to talk them through the process of their uh, visa application, to so the, the medicals, and the labor, uh, all the way through to getting Emirates ID, the, the processes involved, opening up their dealer, their utilities. Okay, so the, that was the deal done. And the difference that made in December of having a deal under my belt, I think it was 260,000 of a dealer rental. It gave me, I can do this. This is no different to anywhere in the world. You deal with people. Okay, the rules of the game are different here than anywhere else, but it's relationship business. And once I get in front of that person, I know I'm going to leave an impression on them. If I close a deal, great. If I don't, and I give them enough information that they make the right decision for themselves, in the same way that Sarah and Exclusive Links did for me and my family when we we're moving here, fine. Um, full circle. Last week, I got a message through LinkedIn. David, hi, Finton. You probably don't remember me. Uh, you helped us with our villa in Dubai. We left Dubai and we're coming back. Wow. Can you help us now? Five years on. And I said, David, of course I remember you. 
I remember your daughter sitting up the stairs in Narnia. She says, uh, I mentioned, I said, your football team. Now, I, had, I knew it was Liverpool. It was Everton or Liverpool. I got it wrong on that one. Yeah. But I remembered his things. So, I'm not great with names. But I can associate people where I've met them in a property, what the conversation was, and I can join the links that way. And I think you asked me, what, what's my strength? Is things like that. And so last week, getting that LinkedIn message from David, five years on, that to me is a badge of honor. That to me is better than any award, any portal or developer give me. That one message gives me such a kick. I mean, like, I'm, I get that message and we're, you know, messaging away on LinkedIn and I know he's coming back and I'll meet him and I'll find him his new home and I'll find a new Narnia for his little girl. Simple as that. People don't look at that way and it's not their fault either. Brokerages have to put their hand up here at fault because what I'm trying to do now is build a team. I can only, I've only so many hours in a day that I can work. And there's only so many people I can have a, a, an influence on and making them the right decision. The only way that I can scale that up is by building a team of people who think like me, who think the long term. Because if I can build a team that think like that, more people out there in the market will have a better experience. And one by one, people's opinion on realist, realtors may begin to change. Of course, 100%. But I think the problem here is not, there's so many good people, but because it's a commission only situation and they're worried about the end of the month and doing a deal now, they will take maybe a shortcut and they don't have the foresight to see that this is a long term. I came here to continue my real estate career, not to start it. Okay. I think a lot of people end up coming to Dubai to start it and the pressure of cash makes them think in the short term rather than the long term. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm appalled recently by some of the brokerages in Dubai and some significant brokerages in Dubai that are taking people on with commission only. They are not preparing a visa. They're not giving them a rear or a broker card. And you're thinking, if you can't respect the person in front of you that's working under your, under your company, how can you expect that person to go out into the market and show a respect to their client? It, 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 ha it has to change somewhere along the way. And the day that Dubai Land Department starts clamping down on all of these, I won't even call them fake agents, people that aren't brokered up, they're damaging our career. They started big. I was with Mahmoud Al-Burai, Dr. Mahmoud, a few weeks back, and he was showing me the plan, what they're doing. They're financing everything that's happening. Yeah, great, great guy. I mean, if you, to have somebody there who's so passionate about it, um, I love watching him, hearing him, and his, his passion is tangible. And I know things will change. And relative to other places in the world, Dubai is still a very young market and it is maturing. And it is, it is so far ahead. People here think that the things haven't progressed. Look at the starting point and look how long it's taken. Mm. Amazing knowledge, amazing value you are sharing with us. Fintan, what did you learn from Corona, from this very weird year? You need to put a line with it. It's one we learned long time ago. Okay. Corona, okay, it's kind of thrown a curveball on a lot of people, okay? 
and there's a huge lifestyle shift. Now, what, what I saw in Ireland in 2008, where people lost jobs and had mortgages and were in financials, um, I think that stands me in good stead now. When we came into Corona period and people didn't know how long it was going to go on for, was it going to be shut down? Um, I began to think the first thing to do is not panic. Let's see where this goes. Uh, when there's uncertainty, people, uh, don't know what to do. Uncertainty is worse than hearing the worst news. You know, if you go to the doctor and you don't know for a week or two what's wrong, well, when you do hear, you can plan accordingly. And I think that period was the worst time. Um, I think from back in Ireland, I had experience with working with people that had actually lost jobs, had big mortgages. The prices fell by 60, 65% in some cases. There was no way out of that hole and banks repossessed the properties. And during that time, you became a counsellor. So the first thing that I looked at when Corona came out was some of the fundamentals. Okay. Regardless of what happens, people have to live somewhere. Okay. They may need to downsize. They may need to more space because of everything that happened with homeschooling, people working from home. But for me, one of the big things was there was liquidity in the market. The banks were still lending. And as long as the banks are lending, people can, it can facilitate people to buy their own home. And I did an article for Property Finder at the start of the year. And I think what some of the trends for this year were going to be, Corona accelerates them. I had said at that stage there would be a big shift from apartment living to townhouse in affordable areas. That's going to happen. Yeah. This has accelerated. People are now appreciating where they, they live a bit more. Um, in terms of, you know, look, look at March to April, when every night we're getting the, the warning, everyone's phone is going off at 10 to 8 at night time, and it's like the end of the world is happening. Um, I've always learned from before, nothing is forever. And even the worst times pass. And I think when people came out the other side, they felt, okay, things are not perfect. Things are far from perfect right now. But when you come out after being in a place of uncertainty and not knowing, there's always going to be a little bit more of a feel of the things we took for granted in our lives before. We now appreciate all the more. Okay. All the BS that we think is important. Didn't mean anything. <laughs> what does it mean? Okay. Um, so from Corona and the bounce back now, I I have my reservations. You know, it's great to see the transaction. I qualify this. It's good to see transactions and movement in the market. But behind the transactions that are in the market now that are quite high, there is a lot of uh, sorry stories behind it. People have lost their jobs. People that had bought a property 12 months ago that were a couple having a baby, put down their 20%. This was their home. They've lost their jobs now and all of their savings are wiped out. So whilst a, a realtor that has sold that property in the last month is saying, I'm doing great. The real story is about those people. And I think we've got to remember that. Um, I know the last uh, number of months have been record months for a number of companies and great because in March and April, they were the worst ones. And um, what I'd like people to be looking at is, rather than looking at uh, one month or two months, is taking a six month, two quarter period, 1st of March, 30th of September, year on year. Are we up? Are we down? Okay. 
why, what, what's the story behind the transactions? They say uh, statistics and da data is like a bikini. It shows a lot, but not the full picture. Okay, so when we see these things, you got to look at the story behind it. Um, the next quarter is going to be critical, as is Q1 of 2021. And there are so many variables up in the air. You know, it's down to an American election. There's so many things that you or I have no say over or control over. So the biggest thing that I would take out of Corona and would say to people is, focus on the things that are within your control. How long this will go on for? We have no control over. If your company you're working for is in a bad place, you've got no really control over that. Look after your, your health and your well-being and your family and believe that this time will pass and we'll look back on it. And I can tell people because when the crap hit the fan in 2008 and people went to get their homes repossessed in Ireland, that time passed. Okay, and I suppose that's the biggest thing, just the things that you get up in the morning. First of all, clients would ring me and they'd say, how are things? I'd say, fantastic. And they'd laugh and say, why? I'd say, well, I was able to get up this morning on my two feet, bring my daughter to school, go to work, and my day's great. And, and, and they say, do you know something? Yeah, that's, that's a good philosophy to have. So once we can do that... philosophy is being grateful for what you have. Like we have almost over a million people that passed away. God rest their souls, all of them, you know what yeah. I mean? Still have the chance to wake up every day. That's enough reason for you to be happy and motivated. That's it. Just like money is money. It comes in one hand and it goes in the other, okay? It doesn't make... Money doesn't make it the man, okay? Um, you can have all the wonderful things in the world, but when you're on a sick bed, it means nothing. Okay. I saw for years, my, my parents had had a, bought a property in Spain and they worked hard in the business. And unfortunately my mom got sick and she didn't go out. They didn't use the house for two years in Spain. You know, at the end of the day is what's that about? I'm, I'm not being, I'm not saying, I'm not saying that my parents did anything wrong. They did, the, they did it right because what they were working for was their children and our futures. But you've got to live as well. And if there was one thing that I, during that period of time of being at home, I, from personally, I, I, I was a wake-up call for me is that I ne neglected my health. I came back from holiday uh, 12 months ago from Zanzibar, 99kg, okay? That is not a healthy place to be. And... After, on the other end of it, I came out in May and said, that's it. My, I have to make my health a priority. And for 10 weeks, I, I really focused on a short-term goal. Because if I said I'll do this over long-term, I had to break it down. And I got my health back. And I think a lot more people have kind of gone back to thinking about the simple things in life. Health, whether it's physical or mental, well-being, is a huge thing. Yeah. Because if you can't be in a position to look after yourself... How can you ever think you can look after your family or your clients or the other sphere of influences that are around you? Love yourself so you can love others. I think so. I think so. After the 10 weeks, I'd lost, I was, I was back down to 88 and a half kg. Now I put another one back on. So I've got another 10 weeks to go. But I think you said there gratitude and appreciation for the things you have in your life rather than the things you don't. Yeah. And worrying about a future event that may not happen causes stress. 
And I am really a big believer that stress can cause an awful lot of things like cancer. Personally, I, I believe that that was a, an, an effect that maybe, I don't know, maybe that was an effect on my mom, I don't know. But nothing in life is worth that. Of course. Fenton, this has been absolute amazing value we're getting from you, from your experience. One last thing. Let's say uh, first, like moving forward, after 10 years, your daughter will see this video on YouTube or go to this, listen to this podcast, you know, by, by chance. What would you like to leave her as a message? Oh, wow. Didn't see that question coming. Okay. <laughs> um, Take your time. It's okay. It's a message for your daughter. Okay. <laughs> you're, you're, okay. You got me on this one. Okay. Um, You, you really have, you, you understand now, I can talk a lot. Now you've just floored me. What could I ever say to Fen? I don't think there's any enough words that I could ever, I don't know which camera or whatever, but Fen, if you all watch this. Um, I love you to bits. You are the most important thing in our lives. You are our legacy. Uh, you are the most kind human, I, little human that I, I know you're so thoughtful, you're so witty, and always be yourself. Don't ever go out there and try to please others that would change you. Um, in life, it took me a long time to figure out what I was good at. Uh, in your own time, be patient. That everything will fall into place at the right time. Um, yeah, don't sit back on your ass. You're going to have to make it happen as well. Um, but the last thing I'll ever say to you is, be the best you can be. That was so beautiful. Thank you, you so much. You, you, you got me with that question, okay? <laughs> Thank you so much for coming here, sharing all of your experience and your knowledge. We really enjoyed this podcast. Yeah, well, my, my pleasure, and thank you for asking me. For all of the guests, you will see this podcast on YouTube. You will listen to it on the Apple Podcast. Stay tuned, we're going to be dropping another one very soon. Thank you, see you on the next one.